Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I'm an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line, in Los Angeles, is the sixth god to my sixth man, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm good, and I have absolutely foggiest idea what you're talking about. Ah, uh, if you're hearing this, it's too late. It's, what, uh, it's, a, it's a Drake reference, man. It's, I guess you're not a... You haven't immersed yourself in the glory of Drake's new mixtape album, which we're going to talk about. No, I've listened at to. Length I've listened today. to snippets. Snippets. Ah, you gotta, you gotta get in there, man. I'm, I'm more, fam- like- I'm more familiar with Calvin Harris's Instagram feed right now. <laughs> to be perfectly and frank. And therein lies the difference between us. Yeah, yes. you know what? Drake's new mixtape, and we'll talk about it in a second, is like the perfect cold weather album tape i'm gonna call it an album tape because it's not really a mixtape not really an album but like it's it's like whenever it's like dark in new york city and you're i'm I'm commuting back from manhattan manhattan to brooklyn to go home just like very cold just need like sneering angry drake it's great oh anyway well keith we have as always a packed show and this and it's you know this is a fun week because We've had a ton of guests on the Pop Shop podcast in in, come, in the past few weeks. We've had Grammy specials. We've had co-hosts. It's, it's been a ton of fun, but we wanted to kind of take a week to, you know, answer some fan questions. We've gotten a couple questions. When, we're, when are we going to do another Ask the Pop Shop? We've done this before, and it's been a lot of fun, so we will do it today. Um, we, we've gotten a, a lot of great questions. We will go through as many as humanly possible. We'll also be talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack, Grammy bumps, Taylor Swift, some soon-to-be hits uh, in our new segment of the Pop Shop Podcast, and um, I, I hear you have a, a fun charts out of the week coming up, Keith. I um, do. I do. Be- <laughs> Before we start, a few housekeeping notes. If you like the show, subscribe to the Pop Shop Podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode. It's, it's just it's just logical. It's common sense. Also. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We always appreciate it and read all of your feedback. And hit us on Twitter with any questions. He's at Keith underscore Caulfield. I'm at Jace Lipshots. I think that's everything we need. Are you, are you ready to go, man? Oh, yes. All right, let's 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 talk about Drake. Uh, if you're reading this, it's too late. You know, it's it's funny, Keith, because every, every podcast, when you preview next week's Billboard 200 <laughs> albums chart, you al- you're always like, you always have that caveat of like, this album should be, be number one. It might be. It's it might be number one. It's projected Things to be number happen. one. You know. So this time last week, and we're recording this on a Wednesday, this time last week, we thought Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack, easy number one. 
you know, it, it's nothing was really going to rival it, et cetera, et cetera. And then what you always say, someone could drop a, an album out of the sky and Drake did just that last Thursday night with If You're Reading This, It's Too Late. And hey, look at that. Fifty Shades of Grey is not number one. Well, it is at the box office, but not on the soundtrack. Its soundtrack is not. Drake's new album tape is number one. Keith, how many copies did it move? New album tape. Um, we could call it a mixtape, um, but I'm also just calling it an album because a mixtape is also an album. They are one and the yeah. same. So Drake's new mixtape, and and uh, for those who who don't really know what I'm joking about, a mixtape is usually free. Like free. It, there's yeah. there's few mixtapes that are commercially released like that that's kind of the distinction between an album and a mixtape drake puts this out and for uh, and he puts it out for sale on itunes on thursday night and um but he's still calling it a mixtape his next proper album which will probably be more singles packed uh called views views from the six it's coming out later this year anyway keith um so let's go back to that number what how many copies did it sell i think you like drake a little bit jason I do love my Drake. <laughs> so yeah, the album uh, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It actually moved. Um, now remember, the Billboard 200 chart is a consumption chart. It's not just based on pure album sales anymore. That said, the album moved 535,000 units. That's overall units in the week ending February 15th, according to Nielsen Music. Of that figure... 495,000 were traditional album sales. So he sold nearly a half a million copies of this album in a little over three days' time because the album came out late in the evening on Thursday of last week. The tracking week ends at the close of business on Sunday night every week. So that's all day Friday, all day Saturday, Sunday for this album, plus a couple hours on Thursday night. Any way you slice it, that is very, very impressive. That yeah. has sold more copies than any album to date in 2015, except for Taylor Swift's album, 1989, yeah. um, to sort of put it in perspective. Like in just three and a half days, he sold more than any of the other albums that are on the market in 2015, except for Taylor Swift, like in the, like the past like you know month and a half, two months that we've had so far. So that's just how big it is. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. And, and again... Um we're going to make a Beyonce comparison, of course, because like Beyonce's self-titled album, it came out without any warning, without any, you know, um, any uh, uh, preceding singles. Although I guess the song Six God, which is on featured on the mix mixtape, was released ahead of time. But it, it's not like that was in proceed. It, it wasn't um, leading up. Man, I can't speak to <laughs> uh, it wasn't leading up to this announced project. Uh, this came out like Beyonce did on a Thursday night without warning. And like Beyonce easily shot to number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart. Keith, is this the first real instance of an artist pulling a Beyonce, quote unquote, pulling a Beyonce since Beyonce? Or is this the closest maybe an artist has come? I think it's the closest, like legit Beyonce, if we put it in quotes. Um, yeah. There, there are still significant differences between the two projects, um, you know. But, but on the surface, um, two major artists both release an album out of the sky um, that we did not know about. Um, you know, I mean, we knew that they were both working on new music, but we didn't know when said albums were coming. Um, and then the, they, they both arrive at the same time. They both sell. A very handsome figure. Beyonce did six hundred and seventeen thousand um, in its first three days on sale. 
Um, yep. It came out at midnight um, on a Thursday night. Um, so it had three days of sales, whereas Drake had a couple more more hours. I think the distinct differences are um, Beyonce's was a proper studio album, which had yeah. singles that immediately started being worked to radio. Exactly. Um, and Drake's album was not. It's He's he's terminated a mixtape. It is, it is very non-commercial. Um, second thing is uh, Beyonce's album was exclusively available at iTunes. Drake's album was available at multiple digital retailers. Um, neither album is available was available at physical retail initially, um, and so far they have not announced if Drake's album will be out on CD or vinyl at any point in the future. Um, other big difference is that Beyonce's album was a forced album bundle at iTunes initially. For the first week, you could only buy it as a package. You couldn't buy individual songs. Um, but enhancing that package were music videos for each one of the songs on the album. Drake yeah. Drake doesn't have that. It, it, you, you could buy individual tracks if you want. So I think if you look at those comparisons and say, look, Drake's album is kind of like a mixtape. It's not commercial. There's no real singles so far. There's no videos to sort of, you know, amp it up. You know, he's he's not diva Beyonce. When you When you think <laughs> of it that way and you then you compare the numbers – you know, in my mind, they're kind of equivalent, you know, if you compare them that way. Yeah, I totally agree. And you wonder if this actually was the new Drake album proper. Would he be the exact, would he be doing the exact same thing that Beyonce did, which was, you know, like, like you said, she immediately started working singles to radio. And you would imagine that Drake would do the same thing if this was a proper album. But it it seems like there's more songs coming. There's catchier songs coming. I, I mean, I, I love this project. I've been listening to it nonstop. We talked about it on the Must Hear Music podcast yesterday, but it, it's very dark. It's it, it's not very melodic. And even though Energy uh, is a song from the album that debuts at number 49 on the Hot 100 chart, but you, I, I can't imagine any of these songs actually becoming like sustainable pop hits. Not um, even a song that's called Madonna? Not even a song that's called Madonna. There's a song on, on Drake's new album that's called Madonna, but... <laughs> Um, Keith, before we move on from Drake, do you think it will continue to sell well no. over the coming weeks and months? No, you think it's going to drop off? No, I mean the the, the um, heavily when we were when I was writing my um, stories about this album last Friday and Saturday for Billboard.com, um, the the forecasts were um, you know initially you know like oh it's going to do over four hundred and then it became over five hundred and there was even and I didn't put this into into my headlines that I wrote for Billboard.com, um, but I did mention it in the story that some industry forecasters were saying, oh, it could even go bigger than 500. Like it could be like, you know, like yeah. it, it could go higher. And I, I think that was based on the initial rush of Thursday and Friday when everyone was like freaking out over like, oh my God, what is this? Is this the new Drake album? And then once everyone <laughs> realized that it was like a Drake mixtape, I think there was like some, oh, let's let's step back a little bit. And so unless this suddenly takes off as if it's like a proper album, I think this is going to be sort of a momentary thing where it's kind of like a curiosity and then it and then and then it just sort of fades away and then, you know, he'll focus on his next proper album. But then again, who knows? If a song suddenly catches on and it becomes a quirky left field hit, anything is possible. It's true, man. I, I mean I, I think that going back to what to your point, and, and I agree with you that this really could kind of be a, a, just a momentary thing. Um, I think it kind of depends on how Drake himself treats it. Like if he puts out a new single in a couple weeks from the new album that isn't out yet, then people are going to 
focus on that. Yeah, he's just going to torpedo of, this own project. He, or maybe, or maybe he makes a music video or two from this mixtape, which is very possible too. So I, I think it depends on how he treats this project, and it, that affects how people perceive this project. Yeah. Um. So cool. We will keep everyone posted on Drake's. If you're reading this, it's too late. I maybe I'll get even get Keith to uh to listen to it. I'll, I've, uh, I've listened to passing moments. That's fine. Hey, that's fine. You're not a big rap guy. It's hey, I I I'm teasing. I I poke fun. I can tell you but all about it is the very good. And the sales. I got that. <laughs> you got that on lockdown. So Keith, before we get to the um the fan questions, the ask the pop shop questions, we have a couple more notes to make. Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack also starting strong. It was going to be number one on the Billboard 200. Drake blocked that, but it uh, it still sold, it seems, I, I think over 200,000 copies, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, hold on, I'm scrolling down in my story. Um, it actually did, so the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack, which is a multi-artist compilation featuring Ellie Goulding, The Weeknd, Annie Lennox, Beyonce, and more, debuts at number two on the Billboard 200 with 258,000 units, of which... 210,000 are traditional album sales. Now, let's break down the number for a minute. That 210,000 start is the largest sales debut for a soundtrack since Michael Jackson's This Is It started with 373,000 back in 2009. That's kind of a weird comparison to make because that This Is It album was effectively a greatest hits thing, you know, and it was all Michael Jackson recordings. So if you look farther back to try to find the last multi-artist compilation soundtrack, you know, where you have a bunch of different artists contributing a song to a soundtrack that, you know, scores a film. Um, The last one to do a bigger first week was way back in 2005 when Get Rich or Die Tryin' started with 317,000. So obviously Fifty Shades of Grey is a phenomenon. Who knows if, if the momentum will last more than a week after people have had their fill of whips and chains. Um, we shall see. <laughs> That's had their fill of whips and chains. Well, well, darling, I think I've had my fill of whips and chains now. Let's, Maybe there's no chains in the movie. I haven't seen it. And I'm, let's I don't go rent the box it. trolls instead. Yes. Uh, I don't know why I'm a British man, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Keith, I, I just wanted to, to point this out just because it's it, we're kind of... Uh, you know, we don't have that much time to reflect on it, and we talked about Fifty Shades of Grey, the soundtrack, last week. But it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, not that many albums are debuting with over two hundred thousand copies sold. Very few, in fact, are debuting in uh, in recent months. Well, Fifty Shades that. of Grey is 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 reaching an audience. I'm assuming it's reaching a demographic that actually probably still purchases albums. You know, it's That's reaching um, um, women. You know, a demographic of women, probably older women. Um, who want the entire like Fifty Shades experience? You know, I mean, the books sold bajillions. It was a global phenomenon. The movie was enormous at the box office. Therefore, all that would extend to anything else they can possibly market and merchandise. And if you can sonically score your Fifty Shades of Grey weekend with this soundtrack, well, then you're you might do it. You know. Yeah, and as we mentioned last week, Ellie Goulding's Love Me Like You Do is a legitimate hit. It was top 10 in the Hot 100 beginning last week. So, Keith, a little farther down on the Billboard 200 albums chart, um, got some Grammy bumps going on. Sam Smith's In the Lonely Hour and Beck's Morning Phase in particular. Would you say that these two artists are the uh, the big recipients of, of the, the kind of 
push that only the Grammy Awards can give an artist? Well, there's certainly the most noticeable uh, gains on the Billboard yeah. 200. Um, you know, the, the sort of the sexiest, most eye-popping gains, um, and that's a really uh, technical way of putting it. I realize um, Sam Smith in the Lonely Hour jumps uh, four to three on the Billboard 200 with 164,000 units, which is up 91 percent. Yeah, huge number. Yeah, it sold 124,000 copies, which was actually its uh, biggest sales week since its debut um, back yep. in June. I mean, then, and then for Beck, sort of the same thing happened. Um, it jumps 39 to 8 on the Billboard 200. It sold 64,000 copies, which was its biggest week since its debut back in March of 2014, nearly a year ago. Um, so, yeah, you know, one-two punch of the Grammy Awards on Sam Smith and Beck, obviously um, a, a big impact for them on the chart this week. Yeah, and we and we should mention that even though the Grammys were a week and a half ago, the current chart reflects uh, the first full week since the Grammys. So they had uh, little upticks uh, after the show in last week's chart, but this was the first full week where we could really see the results of that Grammy boost. And Keith, uh, Taylor Swift's 1989, which was number one last week, is uh, number five this week. Wow, it's out of the top two, as you noted in your chart story, out of the top two for the first time in its 16-week run. It was in the, it was either number one or two for four months. That's that's pretty mind-boggling when you think about it. She's kind of popular. She's kind of popular, and but you know what? Uh, she can take solace in the fact that "Style," the third single from 1989, is in the top ten of the Hot 100 chart. We uh, take it and we give it away. <laughs> um, th- I-, I guess thanks to its music video, right? That, that, that yes, helps it get into yes. the top ten. Uh, the, the music video, the premiere of music, the, the music video for Taylor Swift's "Style" last, I guess, Friday, uh, helps push the song into the top ten on the Billboard uh, Hot 100. It's the third top ten single. Uh, from her 1989 album following two number ones with Shake It Off and uh, Blank Space. Blank space. <laughs> Styles in the top 10, like you noticed. And uh, I, I wanted to ask before we move on, we're, we're, we're I, th- I feel like we're a little off our game. You are week. off your game right now. I don't know. I'm on my game. You seem <laughs> discombobulated. Is I'm Janae like- Aiko <laughs> in front of you again? Oh, come on. Ah. Uh. Have you guys seen that Vine yet? Oh, it's great. That was me. I don't think people realize that was me. How many stuttering. millions and millions That's of just loops me does it stuttering. have so far? <laughs> Keith, before we move on, how is uh, the radio airplay doing for style? Um. Oh, good question. Um. I'll tell you just in a second. Um. As I stall. Okay, fine. I'm off my game now because I you know wasn't even for that. even the best superstars have uh, off nights shooting. So. Um. No. It goes nine to six on the radio songs chart. It had 85 million in audience. It was up 24% in audience. So yeah, it's doing just fine. It's actually clearly heading to number one. So Very cool, man. All right, so we featured Style by Taylor Swift on last week's edition of a new segment on the Pop Shop Podcast where we talk about some songs that could be in the top 10 soon uh, and are racing up the charts uh, in the lower reaches, especially of the Hot 100. This is Soon to Be Hits. All right, man. Uh, we have three songs this week on Soon to Be Hits. I'm going to start with Ariana Grande, One Last Time. The fourth single from her My Everything sophomore album debuts at number 80 on this week's Hot 100. Uh, new video is out. Should see an uptick in the coming weeks because of that. And... It's it's funny because we talked last week on the on the post Grammys podcast 
about why we weren't really sure why she didn't perform one last time her new single at the Grammys, but she did perform it at the NBA All-Star Game halftime show along with a bunch of her other hits. And uh, yeah, man, I, I mean, this song is just getting started, but it's it's worth noting that the first three singles from this album, Problem, Break Free, and Love Me Harder, were all top 10 hits, and this one could very well be headed there. It's a great mid-tempo song. One of my favorites on my everything. It is starting. It's number 80, but keep an eye on it. Keith, uh, what's your pick, man? My pick is Shut Up and Dance uh, by Walk Shut the Moon. Shut Up and Dance. You're not singing it right. Um, Shut Up and Dance. Still, it's, it's okay. So stop. Shut um, Up and Dance. Stop. Um, stop. Um, so, yeah, the song, which is very peppy, very catchy, it, it sticks in your head once you actually know it correctly. Um, the song, <laughs> unlike my. <laughs> unlike your version. Um, the song becomes the band's first number one on the alternative chart this week as it steps two to one in its 21st week on the list. Concurrently on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, where it's the act's first chart hit. It rises 66 to 57. Uh, The song is also making inroads at mainstream Top 40 radio with plays at 38 Top 40 stations in the week ending February 15th. Uh, It actually could actually debut on the mainstream Top 40 chart in the next few weeks. Um, And by the way, this chart is called Pop Songs on Billboard.com. So that is my pick. Um, It's very catchy. You've probably heard it somewhere on TV before. Um, I think it's used in some uh, TV commercial spots. So... That's my pick for the week. Shut up and dance. Very cool, man. And my final pick on soon-to-be hits, Fetty Wap, Trap Queen, one of my favorite rap songs of the year. Love this song. Fetty Wap is a rapper from Patterson, New Jersey, not that far from uh, my own uh, South Jersey home. I mean, it's a little farther up north, but, you know, not not a far drive at all. Song's been out for a while. Uh, He recorded it about a year ago. And it's been slowly gaining momentum. Bobby Shmurda actually shouted it out on Instagram in October. Rihanna name-checked it recently in a magazine profile. But it's taken on a new life, um, maybe not on the charts, but definitely in terms of blogosphere awareness once Kanye West brought out Fetty Wap during his recent New York City performance during All-Star Weekend. Um, Trap Queen, top 20 hit on R&B hip-hops, on the hot R&B hip-hop songs chart. And just a, a super catchy song for people who like kind of that future, little auto-tune, but melodic, like trap vibe. This is fantastic. And uh, yeah, Fetty Wap, he's been working the song for a while. The power of a good song at play. Love it, man. It, I should mention, I guess I, I didn't mention it. it moves up number 60 to number 41 on the Hot 100 this week. So not only is it a, is it a rap hit, it is also a Hot 100 hit. Closing in on the top 40. Keith, that will do it for us on Soon to Be Hits this week. All right, man. So we uh, we have a little bit of time left. Let's do it. We got we got to race through these questions. Are you ready for uh, the latest edition of Ask the Pop Shop, Keith? Yes. If, <laughs> if only we had theme music for that. <laughs> Ask the Pop Shop. Ask the Just, pop I'm saying a lot of falsetto. I don't know what's wrong with me this week, but I'm 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 liking it. I'm embracing this kind of weird mood I'm in this week. Keith, let's start with a couple of Madonna questions. Oh boy. At, oh boy. So at Kurt Trowbridge and, hey, and Kurt. Uh, hey Kurt. I apologize in advance if I mess up anyone's Twitter handle. My last name is Lipshots. I get it mispronounced all the time. I understand your pain. Please bear with me. Kurt wants to know. 
do you think do you think Madonna's should have moved up the release of Rebel Heart after its leak like Bjork did? Now Kurt is referencing the fact that Bjork's new album leaked about two months ahead of its planned March release, and about a day or two after it leaked, Bjork just put out the album on iTunes. It was just immediately made available. Keith, what do you think, man? As the Madonna expert, do you think that she should have once these Rebel Heart songs leaked? And um, there's been several mo- leaks in like the timeline of Madonna. <laughs> do you yeah. think she should have just moved up the release? Things have been very leaky with her plumbing lately. Seriously. Um, well, first off, the album wasn't finished when it started to leak, uh, according to her. So she hadn't actually finished recording the album. It wasn't mastered. Um, they rushed out six songs um, after they mastered them um, in the. So hope- she kind of. So she kind of did. She kind of did. did. I mean, you know, when I've when Sam Smith has uh, when I talked to Sam Smith at the Grammy Awards and I I mentioned to him I was like oh I I noticed on Twitter how you said you just discovered Madonna and he's like well I haven't you know I didn't just discover her but I you know I w- you know her new album that she put out blah 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 like referring to Rebel Heart. And referring to those six songs as if it were an album. So I think a lot of people think those six songs are kind of like an album. So, I, I you know, on the one hand, <clears throat> I don't think she was ready to do the entire thing. Um, I, th- I, I think that maybe they could have moved it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also knowing that they probably had a lot of... Um, promotional plans that were going to be sort of screwed up, you know, you know, the Grammy Awards, you know, whatever else she has between now and the release of the album. She's performing on the Brit Awards. You know, there are a lot of award shows and big TV looks that they had going for her that would have kind of been pointless in a way had they dropped the album in December. So yeah. they were probably thinking of all these things and decided, you know what, let's try to get some pre-orders baked in if we can through iTunes and let's see what happens. So that's my kind of non-answer, Kurt. Yeah, I kind of go back. I I feel the same way as you. I kind of go back and forth with it. I mean, she could have done it. And, you know, when Bjork put out her album, people were buzzing about it for a couple days. But you wonder if it's better to, in, in the long view of things, like you said, you have a Grammy performance coming up. You have the Brit Awards coming up. You have these big looks that can help promote a project that isn't out yet. And then, you know, maybe there will be a higher anticipation when it finally arrives in March. So, yeah, I, 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 I 100% agree with you, Keith. Um, another Madonna question. This this is the only other Madonna question that we'll, we're going to take. We're sparing the rest of you. <laughs> At Katie UPD wants to know, do you think Madonna's Living for Love will debut on the Hot 100 soon? And uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. She has a, a second part of her question, but we'll we'll just talk about living for love. Um, I'm not sure living for love will actually make the Hot 100 at this point. Um, its best chance to debut, at least so far, would have been this week, um, following the Grammy Awards with the performance on the show. Um, the impact of the show wasn't enough to get the song to enter the Billboard Hot 100 this week. So. Um, barring some miracle where radio stations actually start to play the song because radio is kind of taken a a pass to the song in the U.S. Um, yeah, it, it almost seems like it it would make more sense if she just started going with another single right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I mean the song is almost done at least in terms of its promotion at dance clubs. The, yeah. the song is is probably going to hit number one in the next week or two on our dance club songs chart. Um, but that's kind of a given for Madonna in terms of radio play. That's a whole another ballpark, um, ball game. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's going to make it. But you know, anything can happen between now and the album's release. 
Anything indeed can happen. Keith, we got to move on. At Alexandra Barca wants to know, how many more hits do you think will come off 1989 after style? She's talking about Taylor Swift's album. Which songs have the best chance? This is all you. Well, Keith, I'll answer the second question first. I think that which songs have the best chance? Obviously, the the ones that jumped off immediately were Shake It Off, Blank Space, and Style, which were obviously the first three singles. Coming up, it, it seems impossible that Bad Blood is not going to be a, a single. It's it's so catchy, and you can just kind of imagine a very fun, tenacious little music video for that song. Um, something a uh, little mid-tempo, maybe New Romantics, maybe I Wish You Would. New Romantics is on the deluxe edition. And she started, she announced yesterday that she's starting to trickle the deluxe edition songs onto iTunes after they were originally released uh, via Target. So maybe New Romantics, maybe something like that. Um, Now, Keith, in terms of how many more hits do you think will come off 1989? I'm going to rephrase the question a little bit because she has two number one singles from this album so far. Style is in the top 10. It could very well hit number one in the coming weeks. Do you think that 1989 has a chance to tie Katy Perry's Teenage Dream, Michael Jackson Bad, their record of five number one singles from an album? What do, what do you think, man? Anything is possible. Ah, it's very that's very Buddhist of you. That's very that's very at peace. Whoever thought Katy Perry would have had five number one singles from Teenage Dream when it first came out? Even I'll, even two number ones in, did anyone think, oh, this is easily going to have five number ones? No. So, you know, if Taylor can get a third number one, that would be crazy. Just because, you know, with the way the Hot 100 works, you know, most people who are like crazy fans of a song or of, a, of an artist probably already own style. Yeah, you know? that's so the thing. She's having to get people now to purchase the song itself on its own. She's having to reach people that wouldn't normally that she wouldn't normally be reaching. So, and when Katy Perry hit number one, that was before we had like YouTube and streams and all that stuff into the chart. So it was, it was the chart operated differently back then. So it's, it's in a way a little bit harder for uh, subsequent singles from an artist's album to hit number one. Um, you know, unless you just have an enormous amount of airplay and an enormous, you know, it's just a lot of things have to line up. So I don't know if five is possible, but certainly, you know, another one easily but you know i I would love to be wrong about this i would love to say something like five number ones from one album you know i'd love that i think she's just very few artists have ever operated on the type of popularity plateau that taylor's on right now so i i think that i think there's a chance just because the people love these songs so much and uh, you know style like you said style's been out for months People could have listened to style, but there's just been such a surge around it. You you wonder if it can happen one or two more times with some more singles. I, I mean, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. I think it has a shot. I agree with you that it's probably more of an outside shot, but we shall see. Keith at Simon Vierzig wants to know what were some of the best slash funniest slash most awesome interviews you got to make in your career with billboard. So let's, let's both answer this, Keith. Um, do you, do you have an answer? Um, I have three short answers. Okay. Um, I had a, a great red carpet moment a number of years ago at the Grammy awards where I was talking to a track, Armand Van Helden, Skrillex and Diplo all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, somehow we ended up talking about like them doing like a, a funny cover version of Dick in a box 
And then um, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you can get the box. And Diplo's like, I've got the dick. And I'm like, okay, Diplo's got the dick. I'm like, and that was my quote. Um, it was just hilarious because I'm, you know, it's just a stupid moment. Um, and then some of the, the, and it was funny too. And then some of the most awesome ones, you know, going to Cher's house in Malibu and doing a sit down interview was oh, pretty yeah. awesome. Um, I interviewed RuPaul on the phone this week. Um, interview should be up on billboard.com by the, pe- by the time people are hearing this. Um, and obviously talking to Madonna last December on the phone. Hey-o. So, so those are the, I mean, I talked to a ton of people just like Jason has Jason. What about you? Yeah, man. So I always, people always ask me who my favorite artist to interview is. And I always say, I always have the same answer, which is Tegan and Sarah. They're just my favorite to, you know, I've talked to them a bunch of times. They're hilarious. They're smart. They're insightful. Just great to chat with. Um, I have to say at the Grammy Awards uh, a week ago, I was watching you in action and you were like the Heim girls were loving you. And so was Charlie XCX. Like they seemed to be like, oh my God, Jason, like loving you. So you were having a good time with them too. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a big thing on Heim about a year and a half ago when their album came out. And I think I was talking to Estheim, and we went off on this tangent about like new metal for some reason. And we were both like, she was like, "Yeah, I had like a Limp Biscuit poster in in my uh, in my bedroom when I was a kid." I was like, "I had a Limp Biscuit poster in my bedroom when I was a teenager." And we what were a like, thing to bond over! What a thing to bond over! It was, it was, they're great. They're hilarious. Yeah, and Charlie's great as well. Um, in terms of my most awesome interview one that immediately comes to mind is I, I wrote a thing last year on the 10th anniversary of you got served you got served is, is just one of my you know favorite movies it, it's uh it's just this silly dance movie that came out in 2004 and i actually interviewed marcus houston and omari and the two stars of you got served last year for its 10th anniversary and they they were just so gracious and and so funny about the whole process, you know, talking about this little cult dance movie that you know has actually done pretty well. It, it it's always on cable, and uh, I had so much fun. Like I, I asked them about like their favorite scenes and you know what they think of you know if they ever serve anyone now. It, it was it was just a blast, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I should like link to that. I'll I'll tweet out the link to that uh, piece. It, it was it was hilarious. So. Moving on, at Ernesto JJ23. I wonder if this is the Ernesto from Taiwan who uh, gave us a couple of hey, questions maybe. for our post-Grammys podcast. Ernesto wants to know, would thinking out loud reach number one? By Ed Sheeran. He means, uh, right. Ed Sheeran. And will stay with me, make another appearance in the top 10. So let's talk about thinking out loud first. Number two uh, this week still, right? Yeah, it holds a number two. Ed Sheeran's uh, thinking out loud holds a number two on the Billboard Hot 100. It's still gaining in points, so I think it has a shot at number one. And the good thing is Uptown Funk, which is number one again for the upteenth week. Uptown is number one for the upteenth week. Um, (laughs) It it actually lost points this week. Um, A little bit. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. So um, there's still a significant gap between the two, but I think it, it can actually be... Um, met. I think. I think uh, they can. I can. I think they can meet the gap between the two. Maybe that doesn't make any we sense. We shall see. We shall yeah, see. I just. I. Uh, I don't know if you saw Keith. I wrote a big thing about Ed Sheeran and thinking out loud. I saw that you wrote it. I didn't read it yet, though. Oh, that's all right, man. I basically wrote about how a song like Thinking Out Loud and and just Ed Sheeran's career in general can be so influential. You're you're starting to see, and my point was, you're starting to see more male young pop stars kind of taking the Ed Sheeran mold. I mean, we had one on the podcast last week in Cody Simpson. Obviously, Shawn Mendes is another one. 
it's uh it's it's just kind of interesting to see Ed Sheeran's been famous f- in the U.S. at least for not that long of a time, but he's already kind of having an impact in that way. Um, oh, and they also asked about Sam Smith. Sam Smith didn't make the top yes, ten. Yes, this yes, yes. Stay with me, unfortunately. Um, okay, um, that's fine. That's cool. Hey, it's been there. It's been there before. It's it's done that. It's seen it. He's been no. He's fine. He's fine. At Adam Bexton wants to know. How does Billboard track radio airplay? Are all radio stations in the U.S. counted for, or what is the criteria? Keith, I'm, I'm going to let you <laughs> have all of that question. Good question. Um, by the way, Stay With Me goes 14 to 11 on the Hot 100 this week. It just oh, it's misses close. the uh, top 10 by, oh, just a few points, actually. Um, with regards to radio airplay, Nielsen Music monitors about 1,600 radio stations in the United States. Uh, they monitor these radio stations with um, by by listening to them with computers. Essentially, they pick up the broadcasts, um, you know, with uh, computer banks, and they listen to the broadcast twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and then each of the songs uh, that are played on the radio are encoded with a particular um, uh, in. Codation. A, <laughs> there's multiple parts of a song like, that are coded. like a watermark. Yeah, like a watermark. Like a watermark. Exactly. There's a watermark that appears uh, throughout a, a particular song um, in different parts of it, so that when the computer listens to a radio station, it knows when that song was played, and how many times it was played, and where it was played, and so forth. Um, so, 1,600 stations are monitored. Uh, about 1,200 of those stations are actually used um, in the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Why is there a difference of 400 stations? Well, those 400 stations are mostly oldies and classic stations. They don't play enough new material to count towards the Hot 100 chart because we don't want a bunch of oldies stations as much as we enjoy them. We don't want them on the chart because you, you know, we, want, we want this to be a currents-based yeah, chart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then uh, Nielsen takes all of that data that they've collected, um, that they collect you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, um, and they cross-reference it with uh, ratings data to determine when uh, a song was played, how many people in theory heard it. So, you know, for example, you know, if Sam Smith's Stay With Me is played once on Z100 in New York City at five in the afternoon versus Sam Smith being played at five in the afternoon on a station in Anchorage, Alaska, well, more people heard it in New York um, because more yeah. people were listening to the station. And so we use that audience information to power mm. all of our audience charts. And that's when we talk about, you know, Taylor Swift has 84 million in audience. That's what we mean. It's like 84 million impressions in theory, like 84 million listeners over the course of the last week heard exactly. it, which means you could have heard it more than once and we're counting that impression more than once. Let's see what else we got. Uh, at Golden Music 98 wants to know, what are your favorite hits of each year of the decade thus far? Oh, please. Okay. No, I, I don't have an answer for this. <laughs> I do have an answer for this, okay. Keith. hey oh, So I, uh, I appreciated this question at Golden Music 98. I, I picked my two favorite pop songs from the past five years. Uh, Keith, you can feel free to, you know, critique or, or not, whatever. 2010, I put Katy Perry, Teenage Dream, and Robin, Dancing on My Own. These are these are just kind of pop hits. I have uh, other favorite songs of this year, but these are the more pop hits, I would say. 2011, Demi Lovato, Give Your Heart a Break, Love That Song, and Britney Spears, Till the World Ends. 2012, 
Usher Climax. Not really a pop song, but, it, you know, it's kind of a pop song. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe. 2013, Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball. Love that song. And Drake, Hold On, We're Going Home. See, I, everything goes back to Drake. Last year, 2014, there were, there were some great ones last year. The two that stood out, Becky G, Shower, and One Direction, Steal My Girl. Keith, do you have any comments on on any of those songs i don't i didn't i didn't mean to poo poo all over the question um because I, ah, I, I i immediately thought I'm like i have to think of 10 different songs for 10 years no <laughs> i don't have that i can't even think of five right now um if it if it helps i i answered a lot of questions already about madonna and nielsen so i'm well, sorry Keith, i don't have, have an answer with this one we have uh let's let's get to two or three more questions uh at Iconic Messiah wants to know, and wow, Iconic Messiah, that's pretty impressive that he's asking the pop shop some questions. Will iTunes music plays ever count towards official song charts? Well, we are always looking at how we can include different kinds of data in our charts. As people have noticed over the past few years, we've included... Um, you know, streaming data from Spotify and YouTube data, f- uh, you know, streams from YouTube and uh, in in the Billboard Hot 100 um, and the Billboard 200 just revamped how it 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 tabulates its its rankings. You know, using sort of a, an overall consumption model about you know track equivalent albums and streaming equivalent albums. Um, so we're always looking at how we can improve the charts um, and stay tuned. You know, if we have news on on any additions to our uh, panel of data, we will let you know. There you go. Let's get to two more uh, really quick. At Galvin AF wants to know, how much do you love Drop That Kitty? Now, this this question would have made that much sense a week ago, but yesterday on Tuesday, Ty Dolla Sign put out a new song called Drop That Kitty featuring Charlie XCX and Tinashe. I, I presume you haven't heard this song yet, Keith? No, I don't. I should send it to you. It's, uh, I, to answer Galvin's question, I do not love drop that kitty as much as i i love charlie tinashe and i even like ty dollar sign a, a little bit with stand for I, I liked his last thing a lot not a fan of drop that kitty lots of innuendos that even me you know a, a, a punny guy does not appreciate sorry mm. sorry ty dollar sign and finally let's let's do one more keith at kareen k wants to know why isn't there a critics choice awards for music like there is for movies and television. No, Grammy Awards sort of. Yeah, I, I it's con- sort not of really. It's not the same. No. What I would say is that on the internet at the like year end stuff, there's so much more critical, you know, analyses of music than any other art form, and you see that with something like Paz and Jop, with year end lists. Um, that both individuals and sites and companies put out. I don't think there needs to be more of a Critics' Choice Awards. You know what I mean? We have a boatload of music award shows as it is. Um, yeah. You know, we have the CMAs, the ACMs. Um, there's uh, the Billboard Awards, the Grammy Awards, the VMAs. You know, and the, those are just the big ones. And then I'm not even thinking of like the BET Awards. The there's so many country there's, awards. There's, there's, too. there's there's a lot of award shows and. The reason why a show like the Critics' Choice Awards exists, which is, which is um, uh, you know, a show that happens during awards season leading yeah. up to the Academy Awards, is that you know, partially it's a way for films and artists and, and actors that are sort of effectively campaigning <laughs> for an Academy Award can get some more press. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, think, I think the Critics' Choice Awards happen the same night as the Golden Globe nominations. 
I think that's what happened this year. So, yeah. you know, it's all part of this campaign. If the Critics' Choice Awards were like in August, I'm not sure that the show would exist. However, because it's during awards season, it's a televised event. Um, and I don't think that that would translate to necessarily um, a music award show. I mean, who knows? We say that now, and if someone else is in the market for a music award show, maybe they'll think of some amazing idea involving critics. But you know. yeah, I just don't. I just don't think it it needs to happen. Like there, you know, for as, as someone who obsesses over like music lists and stuff like that. I never go at the end of the year like, ah, oh, I wish there were more critics lists. <laughs> Why I wish there, there were more critics award choice awards. Yeah, I just don't, I feel like that need has been filled. And um, I think we're all better for the lack of a, a critics choice music awards. I, I'm f- totally fine with that. Keith, um, before we get to your charts out of the week, I, I want to give a, a quick thank you to everyone and anyone who submitted a question for Ask the Pop Shop. Uh, always love doing these. And uh, of course, we'll do these again, do another Ask the Pop Shop again in the coming months. And uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, you have fun? You have yeah, fun, Keith? I'm, I'm still amazed no one asked me about Calvin Harris. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, I'm not amazed that, that no one asked us about Calvin Harris. Mm. Keith. Yep. Let's get to it. Your charts out of the week. All right. This week in 1983, Baby, come to me. By Patty Austin and James Ingram, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The duet, which hit the top of the list on February 19th, 1983, was popularized thanks to its use in the then red-hot daytime soap opera General Hospital, which left its soapy handprints all over the Hot 100 chart in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Through the use of music in the show or by its actors moonlighting as singers, General Hospital helped generate smash hits for Herb Albert, who hit number one with Rise in 1979, uh, which was featured in the show. Of course, Austin and Ingram. Christopher Cross, who had a song called Think of Laura, which was used in the show. It reached number nine in 1984. And the show's own stars, Rick Springfield, who hit number one with Jesse's Girl in 1981 and had multiple top tens after that. And Jack Wagner, who hit number two with All I Need in 1984. And fun story... Uh, Jason and I were actually talking about this very specific topic on the way into the Grammy Awards a week or two ago when Herb Albert's Rise got stuck in my head. And I explained to Jason, who, who didn't know how the song, you know, how it became popular. I explained to him what I'll explain to you now. Herb Albert's Rise, which sounds like this. It's very, it's a haunting melody. Um, and, but it, but also it was later sampled in uh, uh, Hypnotize, which we have mm-hmm. talked about before um, on the uh, chart side of the week. Uh, anyway, the point is, it was used in the storyline between Luke and Laura, who were the most popular characters on General Hospital at the time, um, during a very sort of uh, pivotal, pivotal um, storyline where Luke raped Laura, the big Luke and Laura rape thing. Um, and every time that she thought about the, the rape afterwards, Herb Albert's song would play in the background, like do 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 do, and then she'd be haunted by the song. Clearly, people really liked this song and how it haunted her because so they, weird. they made it go to number one on the Hot 100. So that's just one example of General Hospital's impact on the charts back in the early 80s. And there you go. There's chart side of the week this week, 1983. Patty Austin and James Ingram hit number one with "Baby Come to Me." That's just one of the weirder chart stats ever but it's a um, cool one how it is like, a cool one i mean you just it, it's like you know think of how like 
you know, TV shows in the past like 10 years, like Grey's Anatomy or Empire or Glee have really impacted um, people's buying habits with music. But, you know, go back to the early 80s and there were only three networks. Everyone watched like the same handful of shows. And if you have like, you know, 15 million people watching General Hospital and they all hear this do-do-do-do-do and you're like, what is this song? Yeah, that, that can really impact, you know, sales. And it did, clearly. So there you go. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's so bizarre. It's super, super bizarre, but super interesting. Keith, thank you as always for your chart side of the week. All right, that is going to do it for us at the Pop Shop Podcast. I, I apologize. I I feel like I was flubbing my lines today. I was I was stuttering a little. There was not no Janae Aiko was even here, and yet I was still tongue tied all day. Um, Keith, you killed it as always. Do you have any parting words? Um, even without a guest, we still are running nearly an hour long. And I, I know. we didn't plan it this way. We, we kind of thought that it'd be a shorter show. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? We I, I wanted to squeeze in as many pop shop podcast. <laughs> See, look at this. I can't I'm even say it. Pop quest. What the hell's wrong with me this week? <laughs> I have to... <laughs> I have to leave. Let's just go off on uh, Drake's Hold On, We're Going Home. Thanks for listening and take care. So just hold on, we're going home. Just hold on, we're going home. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.